class just a year. Well, with me in the studio is Ireland's original Debbie Harry, Flo McSweeney. She's staying with me throughout the show. We're going to delve inside her mind a little bit later on. And also with me is Ireland's original David Beckham. Oh, give it over, uh, will you? David Beckham! Better than oh, David please Beckham. stop. I mean, I wasn't a great footballer. I wasn't a great manager. I don't know what I was called that. You know, so let me think. Talking? Yeah, yeah, big time. Jimmy O'D. Jimmy O'D. Always original Jimmy O'D. I tell stories for fun, yeah, that's it. Okay. Roddy, see that 3D toothbrush? Would you use that? Would I use that? Um, I would, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think my dentist would be too pleased. Or any dentist in the country, for that matter. Prevention, you know, better than cure. So all these dentists, I want to take your money off you and whiten your teeth and have you looking like Donny Osmond, they're not going to be happy. Those lashes yours? They're all mine, yeah. Two, two of them are. I got, I got a kick in the in the mouth, and I got two. Uh, what you call them? Crowns. <coughs> About fifteen years. I got a kick in my last game of football. I got a kick in the mouth, and I got two crowns. And I had to have them replaced twice. Mm. You know they don't last. But um, I always prided myself on my teeth. My father made us clean them morning and night. You know. My mother always said the most important things were your teeth and your shoes. And you always had to look after your teeth. And I remember when we were kids. Um, mum and dad spent a fortune on orthodontal care when really not everyone was going and having braces and I remember going around in these awful yokes and my brother had to wear, they were called cat's whiskers at night and thinking how are they putting us through this but I was so grateful really at the end because I mean they spent a fortune on us but you know we've fairly nice gnashers now Would you pay that price to get that mouth scan on for that brush? No, I'll wait until you know, it's available in, in your local boots for half the price, which have already been about six or seven years. Roddy, babies... You might only have gums by then, you know, so yeah. it won't be much advantage to you. But, um, yeah, Roddy, I, go, go back to baby smells. I mean, newborn babies smell yummy, don't they? Oh, we have one in the house at the minute. She's six weeks old, you know. Me, me granddaughter, and she, you, you just want to eat her, you know. She's gorgeous. And they do smell yummy, yeah. They say it's like a compensation for having given birth to the baby. It makes the mother want to spend a lot of time. Oh, it probably is. It's, uh, there's so many kind of scientific facts that we don't know about that, you know, it's a sort of our natural inclination to want to take care of our babies, their smells. Their, you know, like burying your, your, your face in a baby's neck. But I feel the same about puppies. Little puppies. Don't compare smell. a little hairy, fluffy puffy to a little new baby, I, I, please. I think there's not much there's not much in it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. We're in trouble now. Ready, safer territory. Do you see that survey I was just talking about? It? Two thousand people were surveyed, men and women. Now all the men surveyed said the more attractive my car, the more expensive, the more the ladies are gonna love it. But actually it turns out that women like those small little eco friendly cars. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm glad you told me that because when I was younger, all I wanted was a Rolex watch, a Versace suit, and a Merc. That's what I wanted. I thought I was going to be the business. I had nothing to back it up, you know. And I ended up with all three and realised this is doing nothing for me. It's caused me problems. So, no, you're right. I drive a banger. An absolute banger. I do a zero two banger. And, uh, you know, I get a little bit more, I wouldn't say not, not looking for attention, but I get a little bit more. Um, Respect, I would say. Attention. No, no, attention, attention. in the one I'm driving for. If you look, look at the state of that, you know. Well, if I, if you know, in my single days, if if a guy asked me out and he was driving a red sports car, I would be turned off because to me, that's compensating for other areas that he may not be as flashy in. <laughs> it's a bit of a blow to midlife oh, crisis. Oh, he had to kill me. <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what, like, like what? His feet or his... His feet, and you know what they feet. say about a man's feet <laughs> as well. Well, do you know what? I heard that story years ago about, about a man's feet, and I knew this girl that uh, met this chap in a nightclub, and he had a size 11 on him. Yeah. And he left her home the next morning, she woke up, she says, hey, your shoes are too big, a new pair. <laughs> Roddy, I was tweeting during the week about the f- this great study that came out. Where did they get these studies? But uh, on average, we forget four things every day. And men, apparently, often forget the wife's birthday or the anniversary. Has it ever happened to you? Um, well, like, I don't know who you've done the survey with. Because I, I, I would forget four things in one shop. I mean, <clears throat> I don't go shopping, but I'm, I'm bashing out the shop now and again, the local shop. And for sure... By the time I get to get where I want, I've spoke to ten people about something, and I have to stand down the corner, like a big gobshoy, and try to figure out what was the accent round for. So I go back to the basically bread, milk, eggs, and maybe a newspaper, and I'll go home, and none of them. I'll be sent straight back round, and that's a fact, and that's daily. And I mean, you can count that as four or one in, in a daily. Uh, have you ever missed a birthday though, or an anniversary? Have I ever missed one? Every birthday. Every anniversary, every single one, and the kids said to me, "Dad, did you get a card?" And I said, "For what? For what? Me ma's up in bed, and it's her birthday. Oh, good Lord! Ah, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Look, I mean, you, you know, when you meet someone early, and you know, well, they're not going to have a card in that, but and a team. But I, I told you before about the Valentine's one, where I never missed that for about fifteen years, and the biggest bouquet that anyone ever buys their wife, but skewed out of uh, Wade Flores I'll name him uh, I've done him a favour years ago took me a dress and every year the best bouquet free arrives at the door so that's one I don't forget oh, are you jammy jammy you are jammy Flo apparently uh, so men they forget more than women but women get more frustrated when they forget things I well I do partly because I always prided myself on you know having a good memory and being organised because to me sort of memories you know you need to be you need to have a good memory to be organised and I found in my older years and my friends will say oh that's menopause brain my, I've got become appalling I mean so bad that I took a little nap a couple of weeks ago on the couch and I was having a lovely snooze and the doorbell rings and it's two of my closest friends kind of arrived for coffee that I had arranged three days earlier and you know I'm trying to to, um, disguise the fact that I'm not ready. No, 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 I knew you were coming. Come on in. They're going, oh no, you weren't expecting us today, were you? No, no, I was. You've just proven another point because in the survey it says women tend to lie when they forget things. Absolutely. (laughs) As you don't want to admit, to me it's like a, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a real kind of personality, it's nearly a flaw. I was with somebody recently, an elderly person who was having a cognitive uh, test done and basically to see if they had dementia and I was sitting in another chair just watching and I was watching her filling in things and answering questions and I was thinking, they're going to tell her that she's fine and they're going to say to me darling, (laughs) you have have dementia. I'm a bit of a Twitter I, I tweet all the time yeah. and so you know my first hour of every day is reading and then I tweet out all this geeky stuff and weird stuff so this week there was a great article online about how the brain works and do you know what Flo we discovered that women can't multitask apparently it's absolutely impossible for the brain to multitask I don't I don't uh, I, I can't buy that because I do I mean I do I have so many things on the go and even to me multitasking is I can cook a meal and clean up at the same time and have laundry and know that there's that's out in the dryer and that needs to come in I, I well let me tell you what I the can. science says that's it what says. multitasking that's just your brain conditioned 
That's just being a woman. You know, that's being a woman. <laughs> what happens yeah, yeah. when, so in your brain, what happens when you try and multitask is you, you divide and conquer the brain. So the brain is only half as good. So you're more likely to make errors and mistakes. So, you know, sometimes you're thinking somebody's name in your head and you meet somebody else and you say the person's name that's in your head. Yeah. That's what happens in your brain when you're trying to do two things at once. How about men, Roddy? Well, I, I can't speak for other men, but I'm brutal. I mean, I set out to do a task, and even even say a DIY, not a mental task, a DIY. Say I was fixing the door, and I turned to go off the door to get a screwdriver and I seen something on the floor, so I'd have to do that. I'd leave the door half done. I'd do something else half done, and there's an ad in the telly. Do you ever see where I am? Do, yeah. That's yeah. your house. Yeah. Where Except the solar doesn't down. collapse at the end. Yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> multitasking, no, I'm, I'm not good at it. When I put my mind to something, just one thing. That's me, I just tunnel vision on it, you know, so I'm a good delegator. Do you make lists? I do now, yeah. I do now, yeah. I, I, I grew up now and I go, right, this is what I have to do today. And I do half it. And I don't do half and a half. Isn't so that, I don't get that done. I know something you're going to love. So that same study also looked at the fact that if you nap during the day, it's really good for you. And it's this great analogy that your brain is like an inbox. And when it gets full up, and you have a nap, it purges everything out of the inbox, so you're open to all fresh ideas and you're more creative. Well, I would agree with that. I'm a, I'm a nap merchant, you know, and I believe 15 minutes is brilliant. Anything more than 15 or 20 minutes, you're dopey for hours after. And I do believe, and when you, when you go and get a bit of peace and quiet, which is difficult in the house I live in, you get a bit of peace and quiet, and you put your head down, and next of all, it takes you a couple of minutes to go, and you're cleared in your head and you wake up. You can do anything. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same, and I'll nap, and, and I never, ever took a nap, really, I suppose, until I had children. And I always remember uh, a nurse saying to me, when the baby sleeps, you try and sleep. But I've kind of kept that up in that I will go down to the school to collect my daughter, and I might have 10 minutes to wait, and I'll just put the seat back, and I can conk out. I could sleep standing up against a wall. The social experiment is coming up later in the show. What is it? I'll explain all later on. We have some amazing people on the panel. As I have you here, Flo and Roddy, let me ask you today's question. Okay, if you had any superpower in the world, any superpower in the world, what would it be? It would be to time travel, definitely, because I would, I'd go, um, I'd go forward in time. Um, so I could meet my grandchildren, if I have any. I'd go back in time and I'd go back to a jazz club in New York in the 1930s and I'd sing and be fab. And really, that's why I'd like to... But you're ready. Time travel. Well, I'd become invisible and folly flow. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, as always, Roddy. Thanks for coming in. And Flo McSweeney, she's going to stay with us uh, for the rest of the programme. But now it's time for this. Here comes Lampard. He is going the news to you but what's going on in their head this week we're going to delve into the mind of Francis Fitzgibbon News Talks reporter that's later in the programme from our own correspondent now let's go back to Flo McSweeney she's been with us in the studio all along Flo McSweeney what's your claim to fame when people stop you in the street and say don't I know you from somewhere how do they know you they actually usually say didn't you used to be (laughs) Flo McSweeney or else they confuse me with various people in bands that weren't you in this band and I go no actually I was in that band so I sang, I was on telly, um, in the 80s I was kind of apparently a bit of an it girl. Mm, you were the Debbie Harry, Ireland's <laughs> own Debbie Harry. What were you doing at that time in the 80s? In the 80s, I well I was singing in Moving Hearts. I worked in London as a session singer, so I sang from various studios as a backup singer. I uh, presented shows for RTE, uh, TV Gaga, uh, TV Gaga and Megamix. Were you a bit of a rock chick? I was, I still am. 
and like was life a little bit mad at the time oh absolutely yeah i wouldn't change it for a bit it's great i was quite wild um in my 20s yeah my kids will get away with nothing what's what do you do now um well i have two kids i have a 17 year old he's almost 17 luke and mia is almost 12 and um so i'm kind of with my kids a lot of the time and i'm starting to sing again i'm rehearsing at the moment with um a bass player Dave Fleming and a pianist and going to hopefully go out and do some gigs small little jazz gigs Hey, you skipped a bit did you find yourself a man then? oh yeah I did I forgot yeah I did I got married to Barry Murphy a comedian (laughs) tell me about that (laughs) well I always remember when I brought him home my father when I was kind of bringing him home for dinner and I said to dad I've met this guy and he's wonderful and my dad says what does he do and I went he's a comedian I didn't want to say the word because I had a history of you know uh, musicians and other um, reprobates so you know comedy actually was very new in Ireland and there wasn't the wealth of comedians we have today and successful ones and I think he was earning about 30 quid a week at the time And uh, but when my father finally worked out what I was saying comedian he was like oh god not another one it must be been well used to sure during your 20s weren't you out with some crazy people I was yeah but uh, I think he'd hoped that I was going to marry a banker or actually probably not a banker but somebody with a, a profession so tell me what made you give it all up um, I didn't, I didn't, it's just kind of life happens, you know, you'd, I didn't kind of, you know, decide I'm not going to sing anymore, I'm not, I just sort of slid into another life and um, time goes by so quickly and before you know it, 10 years have passed and, you know, one minute you're 40 and you're saying, I, I'll, I'll get a band together now next year or the year after and then suddenly you're 50 and you think, oh, right, okay. <laughs> So it's funny, now I have much more of a sense of time and of time passing quickly and that, you know, I have to do it now. Are you growing old gracefully? I'd like to think so. I haven't gone quite grey yet. I'm going to. Um, My hairdresser reliably tells me that I'm about 80% grey and he says it's getting whiter and whiter. So if it's, if I could look like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada, I'll go (laughs) grey quite happily. (laughs) Okay, let's delve inside your mind, Flo McSweeney. (laughs) So... What do you believe in? Tell us your passion. Um, my passion is, I believe in, well, I mean, my passion is singing, it's music, and that's what I love to do. It's the thing that makes me happiest. And I don't mean necessarily being on stage or, you know, performing in front of people, though I love that. Like singing in my car, the top of my voice makes me happy. Um, so that's my kind of personal passion. What do you sing in your car? Um, I sing jazz stuff. Yeah, I sing any Billie Holiday song, Ella Fitzgerald, um, that kind of stuff. Anything in particular? Um, at the moment, actually, I'm listening to a, a version of Nicole Scherzinger, um, uh, Feeling Good, and I'm singing along. It's quite kind of complicated, so I'm sort of learning that. I learn songs in, in the car. How does that go? Um, birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. That vibe. Beautiful. So what does family and friendship mean to you? Everything. Absolutely everything. Um, my family is so important to me. My, my, my own like, brothers and sisters and my mum isn't well at the moment and she's 88. And I mean, I've just come from being with her in hospital and uh, she means the world to me and my own, my own little tiny family of my, my husband and kids. It's everything. And friendship, of course. What drives you? What makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Do you jump out of bed in the morning? Um, 
I kind of do. And I used to be someone that would, would, you know, get up at like that real kind of musician thing of getting up at midday and going, Scott, it's fierce early. I'm, um, I'm up at 6.30 every morning. I love, I love to walk. I discovered walking a couple of years ago and I love walking. So I, my son goes to school early and then I walk my daughter to school with a dog and then I do a big, massive walk. So by 10, 11 o'clock, I could have, you know, six or seven K. So what's the one thing in your life you just couldn't live without now? You've got to a certain age, so you're looking back over it. What's the one thing you couldn't possibly live without? Kind of my home, home comforts, just that sort of homey stuff. I just love, I love the whole thing of every, always every day returning to that place, which is home. Just And, and I like comforts. Hey, you weren't always like that because didn't you present No Frontiers? I did. I did, actually. And, and I loved traveling, but I always loved coming back. Loved coming back. That was actually if your question, what, what's the one thing that people don't know about you? I was saying probably that um, I presented No Frontiers for four seasons before Catherine Thomas because people say, I don't remember you on that. And I go, because nobody actually really watched it then. It became popular when Catherine took over, which says a lot about me. <laughs> How do you measure success? I suppose at this point you've been so successful, you're the woman that most men lusted after in the 80s. You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, here you were on TV, on stage, you were singing. I mean, how do you measure your success? It's funny because I do think, I think when you get older, certainly for me, I measure my success so differently. I used to think that success was always about, you know, making it and being, maybe being famous or being, not famous, but, you know, being really good at what you do and being the best singer and, you know, making albums that lots of people bought. Now, now I see success as kind of like managing my life well and, and I look at what I have around me and that's really is how I measure my success that it's all good, everybody's healthy and happy and that if my kids grow up to, you know, achieve their their dream and their potential then I would consider my life a success What do you love about yourself? Um, that's a problem because I think I often don't love myself enough I'm very critical of myself, all my friends say you're so critical of yourself. So um, on a good day, um, I, I, I think I'm honest and I like that in myself. I think I'm a good friend. I'm a loyal friend. So I like that in myself. And when my hair is having a good hair day, I like my hair. <laughs> why, why are you self-critical, Flo? I don't know. I've, I think it's, it's a funny thing because people automatically think if you perform and if you're on stage and if you present a telly show that you're naturally confident. And I act, always suffered from... Um, a lack of confidence, always. I often, I would say a regret that I have at 51 is that I wasn't braver. Is that the thing you don't love about yourself? Yes, there you go. Yeah, I'm not brave enough and I, and I really wish I was braver. Fearlessness is a quality I wish I had. Are you done yet? Is there anything else inside Flo McSweeney to do? I mean, but you see, I'm always, like, I'm always, I'm always, I'm a desperate daydreamer. And I think it's funny, my father, before he died, found a load of school reports. And every single one, year after year, could do with, you know, daydreaming a little less. I'd always be staring out the window, imagining these amazing scenarios. And I think I tend to daydream more than put things in action. So tell us what's on the bucket list. Um... I've kind of done a lot of things. I, you know, I, I suppose I would love to make an album that when I'm gone, that my best work won't have been, you know, um, one, two, three dot IE ad, <laughs> which is what I, that's my, that's basically, and backing vocals for lots of other people. You so have I to would give me that ad. 
123.ie. Oh, it's too high. Hang on. 123.ie. Just log on and save money. <laughs> Did it make a lot of money, all those voiceovers? Not for me. <laughs> Not for me, it didn't. <laughs> okay, what irritates you? What's the niggle? Um, ageism. Because as I get older, you become a victim of ageism a little bit more. I, I, um, and, um, you know, um, when people are unfair, cruelty, arrogance, um, ageism and arrogance amongst really young people. You know, the kind of, the girl in the makeup counter who comes up to you and looks at you patronizingly and says, would you like to book in for a makeover or makeup lesson? <laughs> and I'm going, hello. Were you ambitious when you were younger? What do you think of the modern day celebrities, the singers? Oh, I think it's, I, I, I would survive probably five minutes amongst the modern day. All the kind of girls in Ireland who are on telly now and who are, um, some, not so much the singers, but that kind of, you know, five-year plan. And I never had any plan. And I don't think many of us did. That there was, I remember, like, there was kind of Maria Doyle Kennedy did a bit of presenting. There was myself, um, Leslie Dowdall, who was also a singer. But it, we really were, I, I can't speak for them, obviously, but I was certainly someone, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, I'm I'm doing a pilot for a TV show, do you want to present it? Okay. Um, I'm doing a gig next week, do you want to sing? Okay. You know, that was what... <laughs> That's what we did. We stumbled around blindly going, okay, to everything, but there was no plan. But they're all very ambitious now? Oh, absolutely driven. And I, I, that kind of, that sort of stuff scares me a little bit because I think it's, it's about personal ambition. And I think it's why, without sounding too highfalutin, I think it's why the world suffers because everyone's about their own personal ambition, their own personal goals, their own greed. Sometimes they're not looking at the world and the bigger picture. Who on earth was ages to you? You look so beautiful. Um, I, a lot of people are. You know, it, it's, I've been passed over for jobs because of age and um, I've been dumped from jobs because of age. So, you know, um, so yeah, you know, I'm 51 and I, and I don't, and, and that's another thing. My mother used to always say, stop telling people your age. I've never believed in lying about age. I hate it when people use age as an insult, you know, to say, to, to throw at someone. What job were you dumped from for your age? Um, well, it was a TV job, but um, and they might say, you know, differently, and I won't, without mentioning anything, but, you know, someone comes along that's got a bit more, maybe a bit more vim and a bit more youth, and, and you know, you slowly get filtered out. Do you think there's not enough older women or men? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember when I was in TV, somebody that I always really admired. I really admire Mary Kennedy. I think she's a fabulous woman and I always adored and I adored her on telly and as a person, Thelma Mansfield. And uh, I thought she was just a, a lady, an absolute lady and brilliant at what she did. And then she went on to do something else and she was brilliant at that as well. I mean, she's an amazing artist. But I kind of feel that nowadays everyone is so busy getting the job that they'd all, they'd all sell their grandmothers to get the job and there's no there's no kind of respect for knowledge and age and experience and a little bit of wisdom and I just think I have a certain amount of wisdom can't arrive at at a you know an age in your 50s and not have a little bit of wisdom you're so I always think you're so capable uh, yeah. you've achieved so much but what was the biggest challenge you faced and I always think, as you know yourself, to like being a working mother, trying to, you know, when I was doing No Frontiers, that was my, I started doing that when Luke was about 22 months. And that was hard. Um, also, I think for my husband, because suddenly he had to be mother and father. And I remember 
so funny, Lisa. Coming back from a trip and a neighbour of mine said she just went to check on him that he was okay. And she said he looked like he'd slept in his clothes. And uh, and he had, because he just thought it was easier than taking clothes on and off. Which would be so... And he almost would hand the baby back, look, it's alive. I didn't kill it. <laughs> and of course, you, but, you, but you got pregnant again, actually, when I you did. were doing it, No Frontiers. I did, I did. I was, um, I remember, I hadn't told anybody and we were doing a Mediterranean cruise and it was very funny because we were, and I was, I sailed through my first pregnancy and on the second pregnancy I had morning sickness and so I was about about eight or nine weeks pregnant and we're on the boat and the camera's there and I'm doing pee and then I'd go, could you just hold on a second? And I was like, <laughs> back again and that really at that point I thought I can't have two kids and, and continue doing this I, I realised it was time you know it was time to hang up my passport as it were so maybe I'm getting to this question at exactly the right moment what's mm. the one that got away what's the one thing that you wish you had done uh, that perhaps you didn't do I wish that I had um, that I that I wish I had made an album that I was really proud of and that people got to listen to. And it's not I'm not saying that I haven't can't do it yet, but it's harder now in the music world. I would love to do that. Well, I'm in there rummaging around in your brain, mm. and given your love and passion for music, what's the one song that you really love? Um, oh, God bless the child by Billie Holiday. I think it's a beautiful song, beautiful sentiment. It's God bless the child that has his own. So it's, you know, you know, mummy, mama may have, papa may have, but God bless the child that can do it on his own. Because to me, that is about being fearless, which I'm sometimes not. So that's my song. And how does that go? Um, you're just getting me to sing all the time. <laughs> um, where's my band? And then that's God shall get them that's not shall lose so the bible says and it still is news mama may have papa may have but god bless the child that's got his own that's got his own very low. <laughs> that was Flo McSweeney. You delved inside her mind. Oh dear. <laughs> Thank you.